0: I have a Bible this morning. Turn with me uh, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to look at the whole chapter, the great apostasy. Now, Paul deals with the problem which called forth this second letter, this second epistle. There were reports that the afflictions endured by the believers were sure signs that the day of the Lord had already come. This day of the Lord, the seven years of tribulation. And so, Paul denies all of this as he begins to exhort here in chapter 2. And basically, Paul says, before the seven years of tribulation uh, start, there must be this great falling away. The translation of falling away is apostasia. It's also translated for us in in, in the English, and that's departure. And so, there are two teachings here this morning concerning the great falling away. Number one, the church, in the rapture of the church or the harpazo of the church, they're going to depart. There's going to be that falling away. Secondly, the great apostasia or the great falling away that's going to take place in the world during the time of the last days, and we believe we're in the last days, is that there's going to be great departure from the truths of God, from the faith of God. So there's going to be great apathy uh, towards God, great apathy towards God's people, great apathy towards God's word. We're seeing that today. Some of you have been affected by that. You claim to be a Christian in some circles, and it causes trouble, your workplace or even in, in your home. And so we begin to see this great falling away. Then there was that concern. Well, then, we're in the middle of the tribulation, or we're in the tribulation. And Paul's going to declare this morning that this man of sin, this Antichrist, has not been revealed until the church is harpazoled, until the church is taken out of the picture. That restrainer we're going to see in verses 6 and 7 is the Holy Spirit that's in the church. And so a beautiful teaching here this morning. So there's two types of falling away. Those that are going to fall away from the faith. We're seeing that already. Those that will fall away in the rapture of the church. That's our hope. That's our anticipation. Paul has been, you know, preaching this. And here we are 1950 plus years later. And the rapture of the church has still not happened. And so if the rapture of the church has not happened, how can we be in the tribulation? If the rapture of the church has not happened yet, how can the man of sin, this Antichrist, how could he already be in his office? Now, what's interesting, right now in Israel, they are looking for their new temple. They want that new temple. All the materials for the new temple are already, you know, occupied. They're already training young men uh, to kill and to fillet the animals for the animal sacrifice. The dyes are already. The instruments are ready. Everything is ready. They need the permission to build that new temple that would cause a holy war. But Antichrist will come in with all the answers. And basically, he's going to appease the Arab and appease the Jews. And the Jews will able, be able to rebuild their temple. And still, the Dome of the Rock Mosque will be there. Everybody will be a happy camper. You see, that hasn't happened. Antichrist has still not been revealed. And so Paul's going to explain that in these 17 verses. Let's begin here. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the great apostasy, the great falling away. We begin in verse 1. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, look at verse 2 now, not to be so soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Obviously, in verse 2, Paul's dealing with false teachers. There were those that were telling the church at Thessalonica, you all missed the rapture of the church. You're in the tribulation now. They were being oppressed by the religious groups, the uh, Judaizers. They were being uh, you know, oppressed by uh the religious sect, which would be the Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees. They were being oppressed by Rome, the Roman Empire, the first 300 years. Great oppression on the church. And so they assumed that they were, you know, in the tribulation now. And so Paul's come to, you know, dispense that. Now go back up to verse 1. And he begins here, the word coming, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word coming in the Greek is the parousia, his second coming at the conclusion of the seven years of tribulation. We know that the seven years of tribulation are called Jacob's trouble that we've been teaching on. It's in Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Not the church's trouble or tribulation, but Jacob's trouble or Israel's trouble, the seven years of tribulation. God is going to use that to woo back the nation of Israel unto himself. If you've ever studied Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, God is not finished with the nation of Israel. Some people say so. Now here in verse 1 again, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, let us tell you about the coming again of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered together to meet him. That's the simplest translation. And so this morning, As Paul is teaching the church at Thessalonica, it's applicable to us. Take heed to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Not what man is saying. The rapture has already happened. The tribulation, we're already in it. Take heed to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. And in that next verse, verse 2, there were those that were saying from another spirit. Those that were saying that, you know, we're... uh, Somebody was writing letters that were putting, saying it was from Paul the Apostle. It was not. And so Paul reminds the church at Corinth, there's another spirit out there. There's another Jesus out there. And there's another gospel out there. And they're fakes. And so we need to know our word. When somebody comes across and says, listen, the rapture of the church takes place. Well, let's find it in here. We're in the tribulation. now. Well, let's find it in here. Well, the Antichrist is well and alive, you know, in Europe. Well, let's apply it to Scripture. You see, the restrainer is still here. The church, the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit that's in the church. It's a beautiful picture. But turn with me, turn back just a little bit. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 through 18. Paul had already shared comfort at Christ's coming. And so here in verse 1, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. He's already taught that. But I want to just refresh our memories here. It's very important. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 13. Paul begins, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Those that have fallen asleep, we determine, are those that are already dead in Christ, but the rapture has not come yet. And so listen to what Paul says. And we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. At the time of the rapture of the church, the dead in Christ, will see right now, rise first. And then we who remain alive will be caught up after. Harpazo. Uh, look at verse 15. According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of our Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, on the earth. will be caught up together. We'll see that in verse 17. So in verse 16, he says, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then he declares to the church at Thessalonica that was alive and to us now that are alive. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. The word harpazal, where we draw our English word, rapture, that was coined from the Latin word, raptus. He says, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we be with the Lord forever. And again, the word harpazo means to be snatched away, but I like what Vine's dictionary says. The word harpazo means to be forced away or translated from this earth. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. And there are those that do not want to believe in the rapture of the church because the word rapture is not in Scripture. But yet what about the word caught up, the word harpazod? There are three gentlemen in Scripture, Enoch in the Old Testament and Elijah in the Old Testament, and both were caught up, taken up into heaven. Philip we find him in Acts chapter 8. He goes to Samaria. He's ministering there. Then he's taken over to Gaza, and he's ministering to the Ethiopian. And then God catches him away to Astos. And there in Astos, he's wondering what's taken place. The word is used, caught up. And so to be encouraged that the word rapture, yes, it's not in Scripture. The word Trinity is not in Scripture. The word Bible's not in Scripture. But we don't deny the Trinity. We don't deny the word Bible. And so we can't deny the word rapture. But the word caught up if you want to, you know, be continually arguing. Look at verse 2 now. He brings it and he goes further. He says, not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter. This is the epistle. As it is from us, as though the day of Christ has come. So Paul is encouraging the church at Thessalonica, don't be disturbed there. The word soon shaken. Don't be disturbed in your mind or troubled. The word is scared. Be careful with false spirit, false letters, the lies of Satan. And so Paul's encouraging a group that is being caught up into this. And so when you get to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, we'll look at that next week, in verse 17, Paul concludes the letter, I have signed personally this epistle. And so there were those who were writing their own epistles and saying the day of the Lord is here, it's now, the time of the tribulation is here, it's now, we have missed the rapture of the church. Paul's giving great insight. Remember the church at Thessalonica is only three weeks old, if not maybe a little older. They were on fire for the Lord. They were vibrant, but still wondering, well, maybe we missed everything. Look at the oppression from our own countrymen. Look at the oppression from, you know, uh, the Roman Empire. We're in the tribulation. Paul takes it further. Look at verse 3 now. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day, and he's speaking about that day of the Lord, the day of judgment, that day will not come unless, listen, here's the key. He says, the falling away come first, and then the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So the Greek word apostasia, falling away, can be translated, as we have already mentioned earlier, two ways. Number one, falling away from the truth of faith. Secondly, the physical of falling away from the present place. The word falling away, also apostasia, it can mean departure, both words. Speaking of the rapture of the church. So either you depart from the truth of faith, or you depart from this earthly, uh, this earth physically, that is. Now, I believe and I teach, Calvary Chapel basically teaches pre tribulation That the church will be harpastled. Then there will be a seven years of tribulation. The church is not appointed unto wrath. And then we will return with Christ at the conclusion. Now, in these two words, the great falling away from faith. We see today many in the church leaving their faith. Mark down these few verses. In Luke chapter 18, verse 8, listen to the words of Christ. Jesus says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? You've been a Christian long enough. Some of you know family, friends, loved ones, co-workers. For myself, I know a lot of pastors now that through the years, they have fallen away from the faith. I mean, they were on fire for the Lord. They were preaching from their pulpits, and they got caught up into sin. And they began to fall away. The enemy's alive and well. Satan will trip you up. Here's another scripture in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Because lawlessness, the word is wickedness, which is sin, will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Are these happening today, the falling away of the faith? is the love of many growing cold today? And the answer is yes. These are the words of Christ. There's this lack or this losing of the faith today. And where is God's love for our fellow men? Where's God's love that we should have in our hearts for God? There's a lot of people that church is very mechanical and they just do by the numbers. Tradition. I do this because I've done this all my life. My parents have done this all my life. But is there truly a relationship, a a love relationship between you and your God, me and my God? There's so many people that are, you know, Christian by name only. But is there truly a transformation, a change, this born-again experience? We see today that the love for God, the love for God's people... It's growing cold. It's growing less and less in the world that we live in. Listen to what Paul writes to young Timothy. And we're going to be going into that. That's our next book. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Let me read it to you. Timothy also is being shared from Paul concerning great apostasy. He says in verse 1 here, 1 Timothy 4, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times or the last days, some will depart. He uses the word apostasy, the word departure here from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And so we see that already, church. I believe and I teach that the man of sin now, he speaks about this Antichrist. This Antichrist cannot be revealed, come into his office until which uh, hinders is removed. And that is the Holy Spirit in the church. Also, The seven years of tribulation cannot start until the church is removed. Harpazo, God's wrath is not for the church. And we're going to look at that shortly in verses 6 and 7. That which hinders is the Holy Spirit in the church, the Holy Spirit in you. Paul tells the church at Corinth, that is, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit the holy spirit that's within you and that's what's hindering from this man coming in uh, to his office notice that paul calls the antichrist here in verse 3 the son of perdition the word perdition is the son of destruction i like this translation the son of waste the son of ruin the son of loss in john 17:12 Jesus is praying to the Father for his disciples, and he says, I've only lost one. And he names him the son of perdition. And that was Judas Iscariot, the only two people that are mentioned in Scripture as the son of perdition. Now, let's go further. Look at verse 4. Now, he speaks about when the Antichrist comes into his office. He says, who, speaking of Antichrist, opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, obviously, as God, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself uh, that he is God. Blasphemous when you think about that. Speaking of this soon, to be revealed Antichrist, the son of waste, the son of perdition. He will raise himself up, the word exalt. He will oppose the word adversary. He will become God's enemy. He will become Jesus's enemy. These who are worshiped, and that's what we worship God. We worship uh, Jesus. He now, Antichrist, will sit in the new rebuilt Jewish temple there in Jerusalem on its throne of grace and declare to the world that he is God. We will know then that the day of judgment has started, already in process. Now, I want you to turn to a passage. We're going to read some scripture here. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to begin in verse 15. When we come to Matthew chapter 24, if you have a study Bible, I use a Schofield, and it says Jesus speaks about the great tribulation or the three and a half years point. In other words, the tribulation is halfway through now. This is when Antichrist, the temple's built. Worship is being done. There's this, tribulation's already started. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bold judgments are not complete. This is the halfway point. And so now the temple's rebuilt. And watch what happens here now. Jesus warns so beautifully. Matthew 24 Verse fifteen. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whosoever reads let him understand. Let me give you some scriptural base prophetically. Daniel nine twenty seven, Daniel eleven thirty one, Daniel twelve eleven. They speak of this Antichrist, and the time will come when the abomination of desolation now in Daniel chapter eleven. Daniel uses this abomination of desolation by a man named Antiochus Epiphanes. That's already happened in history. So a type of Antiochus Epiphanes will be this Antichrist. And he will declare himself to be God. Antiochus Epiphanes, he he took a sow and, and he sacrificed it on the altar of God in the temple. And then he forced the meat into the priesthood. They had to eat it. Antichrist will be a type of Antiochus Epiphany. Another abomination of desolation will come forth. Jesus is warning of this. It'll be at the three and a half year point of the seven years of tribulation. In verse 16, now, when this happens, then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Many believe this is a prophetic picture of the church at this time. Bottom line, I believe it'll be predominantly Jewish but there'll be Gentiles in the midst of it, and many millions have already died at this point. They will go to the rock city, Petra, and there God will sustain them in Jordan. On your own, study Revelations 12:14, Isaiah 16:4. God hides his people. God always has a remnant of his people. Interesting, for years when I learned about Petra. I heard about Christians that were specifically going down uh, to Israel and then going over to Jordan and they were going into Petra. And they were putting food, hiding it there in the Rock City, hiding tracks just to uh, that way. The people during the time of the tribulation, they're going to be hid there so that they would know and they would have food. Well, listen, God's going to put them there. I tell you what, God will be their witness And God will sustain them with food. Didn't he feed the children of Israel with manna in the desert for 40 years? But the Christian, you know, he wants to help out. And that's okay. I think you you hide a can of spam in there. The Arabs will come by and snag it. But now look at at verse 17 now. And we're going to just continue here a little bit faster. Matthew 24. Let him who is in the the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Remember, this is a three and a half year point of the seven years of tribulation. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothing. But woe to those, ladies, listen to this, who are pregnant with child and to those who are nursing babies in those days. It's not going to be easy. Because the tribulation is going to be hard itself. But there will be pregnant mothers, obviously. In verse 20, and pray that your flight not be in the winter or in the Sabbath. It's a time of snow. It's a time of cold. And so Jesus is giving this warning. Verse 21, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been uh, since the beginning of the world until this time, nor, he says, no, nor ever shall be. They're well into the seven years of tribulation now. How far are they into the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials? Go into the book of Revelation and study it. But all hell has broken loose on planet earth. And so can you imagine the trials, the tribulation? Now today, we understand historically, there has been many earthquakes, famines, pestilence. But nothing what explains in the book of Revelation. This is what Jesus is trying to say. Again in verse 22, And unless those days are shortened, no flesh shall be saved. But uh, for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. The elect's sake. There's going to be tribulation saints. Those that are saved during the time of the tribulation. But they have to sustain themselves by not taking the mark of the beast in Revelation chapter 13. And they're not going to be able to buy, sell, and trade. They're going to have to run. Or else if they're caught, they have a choice take the mark or beheaded. God will sustain his people. Then he says in verse 23, then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ or there is the Christ, do not believe it. Deception. Deception is going to be the key during the time of the seven years of tribulation. And even today, deception is here. This is why we need to know our word. This is why we teach the word here at Calvary Chapel. It's important, not just to get a sermonette, but know your scripture. Look at verse 24. It speaks about deception again. For false Christ, false prophet, will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive again, if possible, even the very elect. Who's the very elect? We know that Israel is the apple of God's eye, but there will be Jew and Gentile During the time of the tribulation, that will come to saving grace. But bottom line, God is not finished with the nation of Israel. But he says, be careful with deception. Interesting to me. I've studied the book of Revelation. I've studied Matthew chapter 24. It's a very prophetic chapter concerning the last days. Four times. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, be careful that you are not deceived. Deceived, deceived, deceived. On your own, I want you to study it. Matthew 24, verse 4. Matthew 24, verse 5. Matthew 24, verse 11. Matthew 24, verse 24. All speaking about deception in the last days. Verse 25 goes on. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert. Or do do not go out. Or look, he is in the innermost room. Do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the, son of, will the coming of the Son of Man be. We've shared this verse many times. When Jesus returns at the end of the seven years of tribulation to set up the kingdom age, and there'll be uh, the great white throne judgment, all of this will take place. In Revelation 1, 7, Every eye shall see the parousia, or the second coming of Christ. That was impossible many years ago. Now, with our technology and television, it is very possible. And then verse 28, there's going to be a great battle at the conclusion of the seven years of tribulation. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Now, if you look at some of your translations, you'll see the word vultures. But in the Greek, the word eagles here speak of a swift bird. I believe the best translation is the carcasses will be eaten, obviously, and there will be types of vultures. And so Jesus says, in the last days, these things will come upon the very elect. There will be many that will die during the seven years of tribulation, but there will also be many that will be called later tribulation saints. Now let's go back to our text. Look at verse 5. Then Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, Do you not remember that when I was still with you? I like that. I told you these things. The Greek imperfect tense here indicates that more than once Paul had discussed these events with the church at Thessalonica. I got to remind you, Acts chapter 17, Paul had only been there with them for three Sabbath weeks. They were a short-term church, planted on fire for the Lord. But in that three-week span, the things that Paul taught them, I believe that repetition is a great teacher. And even then, repetition will be taught. And even then, we don't hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. So many times our mind wanders especially this last service, people start thinking of going out to lunch or going home to eat lunch when we should be listening to the word of God. Take heed to what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Now, I believe this. A good church, a good shepherd will expound on Jesus's second coming over and over and over. And we've shared that here in this chapel. In most Calvary chapels, you will be taught the rapture of the church, the seven years of tribulation. Jesus returned at the conclusion called the parousia. Look at verse 5 again. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? You've been coming here long enough, you'll be taught the rapture of the church. You've been coming here long enough, you'll be taught the seven years of tribulation. It's important not just to get a sermonette, but to be taught the word of God. This scripture reminded me years ago, he's already passed away. Pastor Romaine was Pastor Chuck's second, you know, his first assistant, the second man. He called himself the second man. And he was such a, such a great assistant pastor. Well, Chuck has taught everything. The rapture of the church, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the seven years of tribulation, this man, Antichrist. Well, it never fails. There would be those after the services, and they would ask Romaine, Romaine, can I ask you about the tribulation? What's it entail? And Romaine already had it memorized. You need to get Chuck's tape. Write it down. Tape number 4852. It's all about the rapture. Go listen to it. Then he'd ask about the seven years of tribulation and give you another set of numbers. Go listen to 4732. It's all about that. I mean, he had it down pat. I like that. And basically, we've taught pretty much everything here also. We should never be unawares what the Holy Spirit is teaching the church. Do you not remember? (laughs) He says that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And a lot of times, some of you that have been here, they go, oh, there's Pastor Bob again on the rapture of the church. We've heard it. Praise God, you've heard it. There are those that have not. Well, we've heard about the tribulation. There are those that have not. When I was a former Catholic, I didn't know what the rapture of the church was. I didn't know what the seven years of tribulation was. I didn't know about the uh, perusia, the second coming of Christ. I didn't know anything about this antichrist. So we learn the scriptures. Beautiful. Look at verse 6 and 7 now. Here's that restrainer. And Paul says, now these these are two keys in the teaching this morning. In verse 6, and now you know. Now you know. The word is gnosko. We know by experience. Now you know what is restraining, holding back that he may be revealed in his own time. This he has to be the Antichrist. What is restraining? What is hindering? What is holding back Antichrist from being revealed? The word revealed in the Greek means when the cover comes off, that cover is the Holy Spirit in the church, the body of Christ. How will it happen? When the church is harpassed out of this earth. When the church is caught up into the air to be with Jesus. As we just read, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. The word caught up together to be with the Lord. Now let's ask this question again, verse 6. What restraints? What Restraints. What is the restrainer? The Greek present tense suggests a force or the person already in operation. Now, listen to this. We know that the person of the Holy Spirit is the restrainer. Calvary Chapel teaches that the restraining influence, this Holy Spirit, which is God, will be removed in God's time. Then Antichrist will be revealed, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the son of waste. Some believe Antichrist could be alive and well today on this earth, waiting for the church to be harpazos and for him to come into his office. Now, I don't argue that either way. I believe that we will see the rapture of the church. And if we don't, Paul believed it. Peter believed it. James believed it. That's always the anticipation of the church. God. The Word of God, which has been taught to you. That's what we do here at Calvary Chapel. You're being taught. Now, there's a process of preaching for the non-believer, but you're being taught the Word of God. The Word is learned. He says to you by the Holy Spirit, either by word of mouth, a preacher or teacher is sent to you, or by this epistle, this letter. So bottom line, when God's Word comes forth, The Holy Spirit is our teacher. On your own, some homework, John 14 and John 16, the chapters, the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life. Notice verse 16 and 17 now, the conclusion. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us, and I like this translation, everlasting consolation and good hope. By grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and good work. Verse 16 says, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and heavenly father who has loved us, agaped us and given us all. And here's the translation of everlasting consolation, eternal or perpetual comfort. Strong's Dictionary says, Since the world began, God has poured out his agape love to all. We must accept it or reject it. Also, he gives all his good hope by grace, unmerited favor. I deserve judgment. He gives us his grace. His good hope is his kindness of expectation. But how do you translate everlasting consolation? eternal or perpetual comfort, consolation, comfort, because I'm a Christian, you're a Christian forever and ever. And then in verse 17, encourage your hearts, strengthen you in every kindness of his word and his work in you. And here's what Paul's saying. Because everything you do Everything the church at Thessalonica does. Everything that I do. It's all for the glory of God. Not for man. All you can say about the church at Thessalonica. Is that Paul loved them. And Paul knew that Jesus and his heavenly father loved them. Just as I know this morning. Just as you know this morning. It's not just the church at Thessalonica. But how many churches did Paul write to? But what about our church this morning? To be encouraged. Listen, the rapture of the church has not taken place. Listen, we're not in the seven years of tribulation. Yeah, we go through trials and hardships and pains. There's sickness and disease in the church, physical pain. But man, hold firm. That's what Paul's saying to the church at Thessalonica. I know the Romans are after you. I know the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees. I know that the Judaizers, they're after you. Hold fast. Hold firm. Stay put. We've often described our Christian walk as a race. But Paul never says, win the race. Paul says, finish the race. The old fairy tale of the tortoise and and the hare. Finish the race, man. Finish the race. I want to hear that one day. You want to hear that one day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter the glory of God. And look at the trials we've already gone through and the trials we're going to go through. It's no comparison to the seven seals, the seven bowls, and the seven trumpet judgments. Imagine that, church. So many are hardening their heart as Pharaoh did. We don't need God. We don't need Jesus. We don't need religion. I'll do it my way. God says, I'll give you strong delusion. Radical. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for so much this morning. Paul gave us such an insight through the Holy Spirit as he taught. As Paul had penned. And now here we are, 19... 150 plus years later and still such power in God's word this morning and always. Lord, we have not seen the rapture of the church yet. Uh, The seven years of tribulation have not started because the man of sin, the Antichrist, has not been revealed. Because the restrainer, the church, the Holy Spirit in the church is still here. So encourage our hearts this morning. And Lord, maybe before we conclude, maybe there's somebody here this morning that still hasn't made a commitment to Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity real quick with every head bowed, every eye closed. Christians, you're praying. Maybe there's somebody here. You've never received Christ. Today is the day of your salvation. If that's you, raise your hand. I'll say a simple prayer of faith with you. Anybody would like to receive Christ? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord Then if we're all Christian, And let's just continue to encourage our hearts. We know family, friends that are back home right now that don't know Jesus. Let's share the love of Christ with them. Don't hoard your salvation. Try to share it with somebody else. Even if they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ. Father, bless your people as they've come. Thank you for both services, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. And we exalt you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all agree by saying amen.